Cards with Cats. I'm your host, Mike Tanner, and today I am at Cornerstone Naturopathic, and I'm joined by a couple of very special guests to talk about health, wellness, and the things we do that don't help those things very much. Uh, so if I could get you to, to introduce yourself, starting with Ashley. I'm Dr. Ashley Martison. I am a performance-driven naturopathic doctor who believes that your health should work for you, not against you. So I work with entrepreneurs, CEOs, and go-getters to basically help them optimize their day-to-day. Okay. And Ben. I am Dr. Ben, and I am chasing a balanced lifestyle. Being self-employed, being an entrepreneur, being a go-getter myself, I am in the battle. (laughs) (laughs) I am in the trenches, two little kids, and I am chasing what everyone is looking for, and that is a balanced work-life integration. Perfect. So it kind of makes sense with what you're saying in terms of like, these are the things we're looking for in life. And we see sort of common things that people are generally looking for. Um, What are some of the common things that people are coming to you for and saying like, this is what I need help with from a naturopathic doctor? Um, My patient base definitely is middle-aged, maybe into your 40s, who's been running the race. They're stuck in the race. They've been doing the race. They've been doing really well at the race but they're starting to feel tired. They're now thinking about, wait a minute, I'm not gonna be doing this in the next five years or 10 years or the kids are gonna be in university and I don't have the energy to go skiing on the weekend. I don't have the energy to literally go out and have drinks with my friends anymore. All I wanna do is sleep. I cannot get my butt off the couch. That is what people are coming, coming in for because they're realizing it's all about quality of life now. It's not about how long you live anymore. We've seen that with our parents' generation. Living to 85, living to 92, but being a vegetable, basically, being in, being in an old folks home and just watching TV is not quality of life anymore. No one wants that anymore. Everyone wants to be able to be mobile, to learn to surf at 60, right? That's what people want now. And people are quickly realizing that, wait a minute, I need to do something about this now before I actually get there. Yeah. And then we're working with what we tend to see a lot of is working with people who are working on their side hustles. Right? right. So everybody right now, we've got a full-time job, especially your 20 and 30s. We're, you know, single or in a committed relationship, but we might not be having kids yet. Um, we've been working a job that we really enjoy, but our side hustle is where kind of we're spending all of the time. So it's the afternoons and it's the evenings and it's the late nights and it's the weekends that, you know, you're building your empires of love or you're building your empires. Um, and these people are just, we're, we're talking your young startup tech entrepreneurs, your local based businesses that they're just like, you see what our parents' generation have become. And you're like, I don't want that. I don't want to be tired. I want to have it all. And then it's this question of, well, can I have it all? Um, And that's really where kind of I come in a lot is being like, okay, so what do we need to do to optimize your brain? What do we need to do to optimize your lifestyle? How do we make sure that you're not going to burn out? Because the last thing I want to do, have to do, is pick up the pieces. Let's not get right. you to that point. Right. Um, I mean, I can certainly relate. My, you know, I've one red cat's been going for almost six years, but the first four years were basically me at home with two kids, yeah. um, you know, yeah. trying to do things and being like, okay. So tonight I'm going to work from 7 p.m. until midnight and then being like, I don't want to do anything now. I just literally yeah. want to sit. And, yeah. and then, you know, for me personally, and actually a lot of this has been 
seeing Ashley online, you know, I looked at diet and I looked at, okay, like, why am I feeling this way? What am I doing? And, and sort of looked at the idea too of like with kids, I want to be able to go outside and run around with my son instead of being like, hold on, dad's out of breath. I have to sit down and (laughs) take a break. So, so what are some of the things that you think, I mean, obviously without being like, Oh, if you just do these three things, you don't have to come see us. Yeah. Um, but what are some of the simple things that that people can do to improve their their health on their own before necessarily coming to see uh, a naturopath? Simple, simple things. I mean, it, it's completely individual as well. But the things I see glaring deficiencies in would be breakfast. People starting off with a high carbohydrate breakfast. You look at the breakfast aisle. And it is, mm-hmm. it's an aisle. Like yeah. what other food has a yeah. whole aisle? So I always call that the junk food aisle because none of that is appropriate breakfasts. Right. It's just too full of carbohydrates, too full of sugar. So you load yourself up with sugar. And then if you're like the average person, you have a desk job. So then you load up with sugar and you go and sit down for eight hours. <laughs> Perfect. Great. <Yeah. laughs> no, you should be eating that if you're going to run a marathon kind yeah. of thing. I just carb loaded to sit at my desk for eight hours. Yeah. So I always find that is one of the biggest places people go wrong. And what that sets you up for is a crash mid-morning. So then you're, you're grabbing a donut, you're grabbing a bagel. And then like you have lunch. Right. Yeah. And then you're going to crash again at two o'clock. And that's the crash where like you wish you could just curl up and take a nap. And if you tweak breakfast to be moderate amounts of protein, actually higher fat, and keep your carbs really low, that actually keeps your energy level consistent throughout the day. And just changing that, you can often avoid that mid-afternoon crash. So when we're always, everyone wants more energy. Everyone wants more energy, no matter what age you're at, we want more energy. Just changing breakfast can honestly be one of the biggest things you can do to increase your energy level or to have more consistent energy throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So that's a major one that I always start with, with every patient no matter who it is well my my grandmother um who i I lived with for a while in university was a retired military chef so at my grandmother's house it was like well you got up and you ate like a big stack of pancakes (laughs) with sugar or maple syrup or whatever and then you know supper had like pretty much a loaf of bread and potato and all this stuff and it's (laughs) it's like i wonder why i'm gaining weight and all these things and then you kind of look and are like oh Remember how, like, when you eat those things, you just want to lay down? You know how you just want to lay down all the yeah. time? Well, those might be related. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, breakfast is completely changing your mindset around breakfast, mm-hmm. and it's the hardest part right now. My roommate is hilarious in the sense that she thinks my breakfasts are really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'll do soup for breakfast, or chili for breakfast, or, like, sweet potatoes and beets and protein and bacon and sausages and just all of these really good wholesome foods that keep me full until probably three o'clock in the afternoon with no crashes it's changing your mindset around what breakfast is right yeah well and that's you know food especially is interesting to me because we have these sort of set concepts of like this is breakfast food Mm -hmm. this is lunch food this is dinner food these are things that you can snack on at different times and you know Mm -hmm. i've gone to a very high fat very low carb um, diet, which has had a huge impact so far on yeah. my energy, on my sheer size as a human. Um, and just the idea of like, oh, like those things that we're eating, like there's a comedian, Jim Gaffigan, who does these mm-hmm. whole sets of yeah. things. And his whole yeah. thing is like, like cake, like cake is a huge part of our life. And even if we don't think of it as like a part of it, he's like, well, breakfast, you can't have cake for breakfast. 
uh, pancakes. And you're like, uh, <laughs> pie, pie is liquid cake. Like, liquid cake. There's like a million things in our life. Like when you look at granola bars, mm-hmm. half of the ones on the market are just like, well, it, it's just a little cake. Like you're just, yeah, it is. just having really people sugar. do these things. Yeah. So yeah. we're really chasing that sugar high. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I grew up in a very high sugar environment where, you know, we drank pop and we had, you know, mm-hmm. just candy and those kind of stuff. And now I look at it and I just think like, like I saw a kid at a birthday party the other day who was maybe eight, like get a can of Coke and start drinking it. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like you don't need that in any no. stretch of the imagination. Here's 35, so, uh, here's 35 grams of sugar. Right. Before. Exactly. Just, would you give him six, six sugar cubes? Right. Like, right. It's like, no, you wouldn't. Yeah. But, in a glass of water? Like, a glass no, of water. No. But I, um, I want to go back to that everything has its place. Like military cooking, right? Let's go back to yeah. military example. If you ran a 10K at 5 in the morning, which most military people, yep. you're, you're running that, you need a feed of pancakes, yeah. right? Yeah. Like there is a place for that. Yeah. But when you're going to go sit for eight hours a day, you do not need a feed no. of pancakes. Or <laughs> when you need your brain to be completely on point, the last mm. thing you want is that dopamine cascade to be coming from sugar as opposed to coming from the work that you're doing, right? right? We're talking about entrepreneurs and go-getters right now, people who are pushing boundaries every single day. We need to make sure that your brain is in tip-top shape and feeling a pile of sugar is not going to do that. Yeah. And like, you've probably noticed with changing yours to a high fat that your brain, your focus should be better. You should be more consistent. It's like a you totally just, different. Your brain is made of fat. So yeah. that's probably the most important thing you could do as, an, as a go-getter and an entrepreneur yourself is, mm-hmm. man, take care of your asset. Yeah. <laughs> we always joke we should be walking around with helmets on. Right. But we also should be maintaining it. Like, we take really good care of our cars. We should be maintaining our brains, right? Like, as as the people we are, our brain is our asset. Yeah. Well, there's a great... I mean, apparently this is a whole episode about stand-up comedians, but there's a, uh, a great <laughs> Jerry that, Seinfeld that piece where he's talking about wearing helmets and how we have all these helmets for all these things. And he's like, we've basically decided, like, well, let's not stop doing the things that cause head injuries. We'll just slap a helmet on it yeah. and go ahead and like yeah. that whole thing of like oh my car has insurance i'll just crash it into things and you're like well no we would we kind of avoid those things we do those things with our our body from an energy perspective yeah we really so do what yeah. um so breakfast breakfast is one of them sleep is the other right right those are Not well, we're talking one. foundations we're talking like simple things that people can do to kind of keep their bodies in check and keep them running at a really high level sleep and it's the first thing that we get rid of or like I have a deadline yep. I'm going to stay up and finish it right our brains are so melatonin and cortisol curves work opposite each other right cortisol is this okay I've got energy I'm getting up I'm ready to go it's what wakes us up in the morning melatonin is what puts us to sleep at the end of the day and should keep us asleep through um, through the entire evening if our cortisol is spiking at times when it shouldn't be, like getting a second wind in the evening, you're like, mm-hmm. all right, I got energy now. I can totally get this project done. I can pack those boxes. I can, you know, get this off to the printer. I can get that last minute draft in and then get up the next morning and work a nine to five because I'm working on my side hustle. You're putting your body at a disadvantage. You're putting your brain at a disadvantage because you're not sleeping because Every single important mechanism in our body is upregulated, which means that it works better when, when we're in REM sleep, right? right? Yeah. But REM sleep comes in these cycles, right? So the first time you're in REM sleep at night, you only get about 30 to 45 minutes of REM. And then every single cycle that comes next, by the time you're in your fifth cycle of REM, you're looking at an hour and a half of REM sleep. Right. 
you're not going to get to an hour and a half of REM sleep if you're only sleeping for four hours, yeah. right? So that's, it's <clears throat> integral and it's the first thing that we talk about. It's like, are you sleeping? Because if you're not, we got to start there. Well, you know, I, I've focused in the last little while about the quality of the work that I do necessarily versus the quantity of work. There's mm-hmm. a, yeah. There's this great book called uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport, and he really talks about the idea of like most of the stuff we do is just very surface. Mm-hmm. Like for most of us, our jobs are just like just pushing a rock, Drops. pushing a rock, pushing a rock, yeah. and that kind of thing. And so one of the things that I started doing was I was writing a book last year, and I started tracking using this app how much I was actually writing at given times. And mm-hmm. I sort of looked at the at the data and went, okay, so I'm staying up till midnight to work on this book. And from 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock, I'm writing at an unbelievable pace. Like the pace that I'm actually writing at is like 2,000 words an hour. Like I can totally do that. Mm-hmm. And then I look and I'm like, okay, so from 9 to 10, I write at like 1,000 words an hour. And then from 10 to 11, it's like 400. And then from yeah. 11 to 12, it's like 250. So it's like, okay. So if, if all of those, if those three hours that I decided to work, if I hadn't been sleeping during those three hours, then I can turn those three hours of sleep into one hour of productivity and actually get more done. And so yeah. changing sleep has been one of the biggest things for me that has been like, okay, yeah. go to, go to bed, yeah. Yeah. sleep, and then just be awesome the rest of the time. Completely. And, and, to do yeah. that, so. and we always have that conversation. We talk about hustle. The word hustle, people think, well, that's just working like a dog, right? Like pulling those 2 a.m. times and it's like, well, that's hustle, but that's hustle smart. Yeah. Like yeah. morning time, the first few hours after you wake up is actually when your brain is firing like all cylinders. Yeah. So let's let's prioritize your day to do your really important stuff at the beginning and let's do your drone stuff like later on, right? And it's just hustling yeah. smart. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's not like, and I think that's the yeah. connotations mm-hmm. when we say hustle is like, well, I'm just going to work till I'm, you know. And then it's this, it's changing this idea of like, people say, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. And we wear it like this badge of honor, which for all intents and purposes is complete bullshit, to be honest, right? Like, why do we want to be tired all the time? Why do we want to be busy all the time? For some reason we say like, I'm so tired. I have so many things going on. It makes us feel good about ourselves because we've got lots of things going right. on, right? It's pumping up those dopamine levels. It's giving us a really good feedback in our brain. It makes sense. But is it sustainable? Is it something that's actually going to help us out? Is there a way that we can say like, okay, yeah, I've got a lot going on, but I'm going to manage it and I'm going to be super effective about it and I'm going to be super efficient about it. Yeah. And then I'm going to go spend time with my partner or my kids or, right. you know, go on a date, right? Like you have to have that integration. Well, we, we did, a, I did an episode with uh, Ross Simmons about literally the idea of hustle and the negative mm-hmm. connotations with the word and the positive because yeah. one of his businesses is called Hustle and Grunt. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and the conversation we had was after on this new uh, Apple show where they do the, it's called Planet of the Apps. Yeah. So they have people to kind of look at apps and they try and do it. And one of the guys was quoted being like, you know, you have to work this many hours and you have to understand you're not going to see your family and you have to make all these sacrifices. And I was like, I wouldn't want to do that at all. Like those... And so when I talked to Ross, the idea was like, all right, like take a little bit of ownership of that word and what it means to you. Like for him, hustling is figuring out ways to make his time more effective. Like so, and he says the same thing that you're saying, which is like in the mornings, he gets the first big thing he needs to get done off his plate because he knows, well, that's when he's going to be able to crush it. And so, I mean, we do, it's interesting. We do, I find a lot of lying to ourselves about when we're productive and whether or not we're good at multitasking. I for years swore up and down that like 
I was probably the greatest multitasker of all time. I could do all these different things at once. And then I realized I was just saying that because that's what I had to do. So I just kind of lied and said, I'm great at it. And then when I realized like, oh, when I'm actually focused on the things I'm doing, I'm way more effective. So mm-hmm. um, the idea of that focus and that putting the energy in the right places is, mm-hmm. uh, is a huge part of it. Massive. Yeah. So for people that may not know, I mean, you know, I think people have gotten a good idea of what you guys do, but can you give a little bit of background on what a naturopathic doctor does versus what I feel is a poorly named medical doctor does? It's, it's obviously you're both in the field of medicine. And you need both. um, You need both. You need both, right? Like one does not, one does not replace the other. They do not compete with each other. You need both. Right. Right? You break your arm. You need to be in the emergency room because you need to get that set. You're having a heart attack. I don't want you in my office. Right. Right. I'm going to send you to the emergency room because it's, it's important. But yet we're going to be the ones after being, why did you have a heart attack? What's your family history? What are your genetics? What have you been eating? You know what? Maybe walking a few times a week isn't a bad idea. Like, let's go through that and then let's tweak your nutrition and let's prevent a secondary heart attack. Exactly. Here's the research. Let's do this. Or you've got a family history of Alzheimer's. Great. What can we do when you're in your 20s and 30s to try and offset some of that genetic like play? Right. Right. Yeah. One of the things I've always liked about naturopathy is the idea that you're, is the idea of treating the root cause versus mm-hmm. treating like, you know, I, I grew up, you know, going to a traditional Western medicine doctor for everything. And yeah. I only went to a doctor if something was broken. Like yeah. I was like, well, I can't walk cause I blew my knee out or I, you know, I have a huge gash on my head from sliding down a hill and hitting a brick wall or whatever it is. It's like, okay, well, I have a problem. I've had a few of those. (laughs) So, so I think it's really interesting to say like, okay, well, what is it that we're actually treating? We're not treating a scraped knee or Mm -hmm. a headache. We're, we're treating what's sort of wrong with you, the person. We're not the, we're not your first line of contact. If you have an, if you have an acute emergency, but we are there to optimize and support every system there afterwards and what people tell us when as soon as they they meet one of us or they come into cornerstone is oh you guys are different that's what people say right and it's it's not that we're naturopathic doctors it's not that we're not a medical doctor it's that i'm going to sit down to you and i'm going to listen to you for an hour because Mm -hmm. i want to know what your story is and then it's my job to take the story that you're telling me and combine it with years of medical training and nutrition training and genetic work and figure out all of these little intricacies where things start to play into each other. So if we can tweak something in one spot that has downstream effects that hit your brain and your cardiovascular system and your genetics and, 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 then if we can do one thing now that's going to potentially prevent a lot of things coming down the line, great, that's what we're gonna work on. If we're looking at optimizing your brain, we're gonna talk about sleep and nutrition and diet and stress and partners and relationships because they all play into each other. But it's about hearing somebody's story and listening to somebody's story. Um, Every time somebody's in my office, I'm always playing a game with myself of, okay, that's there, there's one possibility. How many other possibilities can I come up with? Because I don't wanna miss something. I don't want to assume that the first thing that somebody's telling me is what that diagnosis is going to be because chances are it's probably not, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's where we start to see these disconnects with our medical system as a whole is people feeling like they're not being heard. 
-hmm. right? They're like, I don't want to be written a prescription because you think I'm depressed when in actuality I'm not motivated because I'm not eating well because I have no motivation to eat well and I need to figure out how to replace that cycle, right? right? That's, that's what we do is figure out how these intricacies work and then basically tweak them and give you the tools to tweak them and then send you on your way. If you're not getting better, that's on me. Right. Providing you're doing everything you're we doing talk the about. things that you're we talk about. Yeah. 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 Right. I think one of the biggest, the easiest ways to describe it is that your allopathic medical system is very reactive. So you go when something happens and they respond to you. The goal of your surgeon or your emergency room physician is to keep you alive. All right. So you are either dead or you're alive. And that's the standard. Okay. Same with your GP. They are going to keep you alive. They are screening you for cholesterol and high blood pressure. They are, their goal is to keep you alive. Um, and, a, and a reactive system. Now step over onto our side, and this is why the systems complement each other so well, is that we are proactive. It's like, okay, that's the possibility. Your genes say you could go there. It doesn't mean you have to go there. We can change the way genes are expressed. Um, and we're, we're gonna, and we're gonna focus on, it's not a question of whether you're alive or dead for us. Right. Our question is how good can your quality of life be? And that's how we're approaching it. Okay. Well, yeah, it's really funny. Like I've with, um, you know, our, my son is five, he's just about to be six. And when we book an appointment for like a yearly checkup kind of thing with his doctor, his doctor's great about it. And she's really good when we get to her, but the question at the desk is always like, what's wrong? Like, why are you bringing him in? And you're like, to make sure he's okay. Like we're, you yeah. know, there are things we're concerned about, but there's yeah. no like set thing. And I, I find it interesting that you, that there is that idea of like, nothing's wrong. And, and, and one of the things to give you an idea from this is that, um, when I sort of discovered naturopathy, I realized that like ignorance had been bliss. I just thought, okay, well, this is the way I feel. This is just, you are, you know, three is the level of your life. And yeah. then yeah. when you start to realize like, oh, I can feel better. And then when I take a step back with, with mine, it's primarily, it's always been diet related. Mm -hmm. And so when I have those things I'm not supposed to have, I, you know, I feel like a three again, instead of feeling like an eight or a nine yeah. Yeah. the rest of the time. And yeah. And getting that understanding of like your ability to be in control of that process versus mm -hmm. being a, you know, symptom or diagram that's just kind of run along the conveyor belt and then, yeah, yeah and then exactly. Given, so. and, yeah. and symptoms aren't the be all end all, right? Like mm -hmm. we look at lab values and so many people get tested for their thyroid because they're tired all the time, right? And I'm going, okay, well, if your thyroid is off, then the rest of the system is definitely off. But mm -hmm. that's, that's all that is, is a sign. It's going, okay, we should probably check that out further. It's not a definitive diagnosis in terms of a quality of life perspective, right? right? Um, and that's, it's, it's the difference between doing one thing versus doing multiple things. It's the difference between having one system versus having systems that complement each other. It's also recognizing the fact that there's 13 social determinants of health and we spend 96% of our healthcare dollars on one. Right. Right? Like health in is finances and housing and how you interact with people and are you lonely? Like those are things that, especially when we're talking with entrepreneurs and people who are running at really high levels of their game, like, are you lonely? Like, are you literally focused on everything that's sitting in front of you? Are you spending time with other people? Are you actually mm -hmm. getting out? Because that's incredible 
incredibly valuable. Also makes you work better. Yeah. My my wife's running gag when she comes home from comes home from work is that I basically follow her around the house telling her how my day went. Like she's, <laughs> she's like, I just need a minute, and I'm just like, I right, did you. I also something happened on Twitter and fancy football, and also here's everything that happened to the kids today and the entire time. So you get that sort of idea of like, as humans, we require other humans yeah um, absolutely and the right yeah. and not to say that there are wrong humans but we require the right relationships to, to be in place completely yeah. um and when we don't have those it can be you know it can manifest in ways that you didn't necessarily think things could completely. manifest yeah. yeah and after a slight technical difficulty we are back um the joys of this is that we were just kind of saying like you want to make sure that you have all this stuff because it's hard to remember all of these things that we actually talked about. <laughs> um, so the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was the idea of self-sabotage. And we've, we've talked about it a little bit in terms of, you know, things like breakfast, things like sleep. Um, but how much of what you see is sort of people that don't realize that they're damaging their own health, you know, Instead of it being like, oh, well, I have a condition or I have this, but people who literally are like, I'm doing the things that are literally causing mm-hmm. these issues. How, how much do you see of that and, and how do you see that being something you can help resolve? Self-sabotage is <laughs> fun. Um, it comes down to quick fixes, right? That's what, that's what every single commercial on TV or on YouTube or you know, whatever tells us is that you have this going on, take this pill, or you have this going on, um, you know, eat this food. Here's the top 10 healthy foods that you can eat for your brain, right? That to me is no different than somebody saying like, oh, you're depressed, try this new antidepressant. It has less side effects, right? When we're always looking for these quick fixes, I think that's what self-sabotages us because we're like, oh, well, I'm not taking the antidepressant, but I'm eating all these foods, but in actuality, your genetics aren't being fed properly. Right. Um, your requirements aren't being fed properly. When we're talking about people who are go-getters and innovators and, and boundary pushers, your brain is at energy needs that are the equivalent of somebody who's running a marathon, right? Like, mm-hmm. we don't recognize that. We're like, well, I'm not running a marathon, so I don't need to worry about what I'm eating. When in actuality, you are running a marathon, and you're running a marathon every single day because you're having to get up and do the same thing and keep pushing and keep moving um we start looking for those quick fixes so if you're in your third cup of coffee by 9 a.m because you absolutely cannot live without it (laughs) and like and i love coffee coffee has been shown to be preventative against alzheimer's it's been shown to be preventative preventative against colon cancer but if it's 9 a.m. and you're on your third because that's the only way you can keep functioning, right. that's a very different conversation than, yeah, I really do enjoy my cup of coffee, but, you know, I'll have one in the morning, maybe one in the mid-afternoon, and that's okay, right? And are your genetics able to keep up with that? Can your liver break it down correctly? Mm-hmm. I can have a cup of coffee 30 minutes before I go to bed because my liver metabolizes it really quickly. Ben does that. He's up until 3 a.m. No sleeping. <laughs> That's where genetics start to come into play. But if we're always starting to look for these quick fixes, that's when we run into the self-sabotage. We, and preventative medicine and foundational medicine and the stuff that really starts to make a difference, it's not sexy. 
yeah. right? It's not stuff that you can Instagram really well. It's not like, hey, I went to spin class or I went to a new bar class or I did this. Yeah, do it. Have fun with it. But recognize that that foundational stuff, like you sleeping for eight hours and waking up feeling rest, really rested, you can't Instagram that. You could, but it'd be super creepy. It'd be weird. <laughs> it'd be a little bit strange. Like, it'd yeah. be a really yeah. weird Instagram life. It would be. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's, and that's what I look for is, are you reaching for those quick fixes? Right. right? Are you reaching for those things that you can really, like, feel better quickly? But if you do it every single day, we're going to have issues 10 years right. down the line because you're going to have acid reflux and you're going to have heart palpitations and you're probably not going to be sleeping very well because you're now working on six cups mm -hmm. of coffee. Okay, let's do something about it now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the whole self-sabotage, I go back to knowledge is power. Like a lot of people don't know, like you mentioned earlier, you were level three. Right. right? You didn't know you could be yeah. a level seven, level eight, level nine. And I always just have people, it's not that I need to tell you, I just want you to ask why. Why are you eating this for breakfast, first of all? Why are you eating that? And it's going to be because you were marketed to really well. Right. Yeah. Right? And it's just a great exercise to be like, wow, marketing really works. As much as we say we don't want it to, yeah. it, oh, works it works really, really well. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is just knowledge is power. And it's just bringing that awareness to why you're doing things. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. I actually don't need to eat this right now. And then the self-sabotage actually comes to an end because you're no longer being marketed to and you're no longer part of that. You're no longer a cog in that system. Yeah. You've removed yourself from that and all of a sudden, wait a minute, I'm going to have something different because I don't right. need that. And it's just awareness. Knowledge is power. And on that same note, to kind of put a like nice little asterisk to all the women who are listening to this podcast right now because there's multiple different levels at play with with gender, um, whether, you know, with hormones basically. Um, and we say a lot of the times, or you hear it more so is, oh, well, she's on her period. Oh, yeah. she's grumpy because she's on her period. She's super tired because of that. <laughs> right? Like how often do we, if we're really talking about innovation, how often do we actually downplay somebody else's roles because, oh, they're, you know, yeah. she's on her period. Um, when in actuality, we can harness those hormone changes throughout a, a month-long cycle, which is something that every single woman who's an entrepreneur, who's an innovator, who's, you know, got three kids and is working or not working or doing whatever because kids are, you know, crazy. They're fantastic. They're fantastic. Mom, they're full up. <laughs> they're so happy they're not they here right now. They your life. <laughs> they really do. It's, it's this conversation about like, all right, so let's plan your month around what your hormones are actually doing. You're more productive when your estrogen is high. Great. Let's schedule your big business meetings then. Let's make sure that those changes between high estrogen and progesterone don't cause massive cramping. Don't cause headaches. Don't cause mood swings. Don't cause, mm -hmm. as it's been coined by a couple people in my office, week three. And right. they will probably have a laugh when they hear this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's... For me, it's never good enough to say, well, I can't do that because my cramps are really bad or my migraines mm -hmm. are awful or this or that, that are all of these different levels that when you're running your own business or you're doing a side hustle, you can't let stop you. Okay, let's do something about it. Right. I know when your estrogen is going to be highest because we've had an hour long conversation and I can probably pinpoint it at this point. We're going to schedule your really important meetings then. We're going to push right. your work that you need to do that's on deadline. Great. We're going to schedule it in that time of your month that you're going to be the most efficient. It's like a superpower. That's I, how I look at it. If I, I mean, if for anyone to say like, 
a woman's period is like her superpower. I'm happy about that. Like I'm pumped to just be like, <laughs> you use like you've got this other thing. You can use it for something else. Absolutely, yeah. um, use it to your advantage. Yeah, I think that you know, and I think you've kind of really struck it with what I think of when I think of naturopathy, which is the idea of like. A traditional Western medicine is a lot of like, well, we're going to force a thing that we want to happen to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When yeah. my wife first explained to me that my headache medicine wasn't getting rid of my headache, my mind exploded. Wow. She was like, it's just deadening all the nerves. So you don't feel anything while your body fixes the problem. And so when you get this idea of like, well, if you fuel it on the one end and you help it on the one end, then it does all the work for you and you're not sort of fighting mm-hmm. fighting against all the time. Yeah. And with, with what you were saying about, you know, that choice of not being part of that system, um, one of the craziest things for me, I mean, I've been controlled by my eating for years. And, you know, I posted something on Instagram the other day because I was at church and there were coffee and then this huge plate of treats mm-hmm. for this plate. And I was yeah. just like, yeah. yeah, I'm just going to have a cup of coffee. Like, yeah. I don't need to. I know it, like, the number of times I've driven past McDonald's mm-hmm. and been like, yeah, I could have a Big Mac or I could just go home because I'm not hungry. I just saw a yellow M and now I think like, oh, that's like, you know, Pavlov's dog kind of salivating for it. It's brilliant so, marketing. Um, it's great brilliant. marketing. It's marketing. Yeah. I often feel terrible about being in the sort of branding and marketing circle because I'm always <laughs> like, all right, only pick things that I actually would want people to do because otherwise <laughs> I feel really bad about it. Yeah, but um, it's, it's just being incredibly cognizant about the choices that you're making. Okay. So you're driving past McDonald's and you're going to stop for a Big Mac. Make a conscious choice about it. Mm-hmm. Don't let something else drive you if you really want it. Okay. Right. Yeah. Have that discussion with yourself. And that's where kind of we both look at, at food and lifestyle is it's not about doing everything perfectly because nobody can do everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. That's just impossible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also it's going to drive you crazy. Okay. Um, it's make a conscious decision about the choices that you're making. It's about removing guilt. Yeah. People people eat a Big Mac and then they feel guilty about it. It's like, okay, you just you just put a very negative emotion with something very positive. Food right. something very positive. Christmas, birthdays, Thanksgiving, yeah. Easter, everything. The highlight of everything we do is around a big family meal with superfluous amounts of food. Yeah. Right? So now you take something that should be a very happy thing and you just associated guilt with it. So now all of a sudden food has become negative. We need to remove all these negative feelings with food and keep it positive. So therefore, if you're going to have a Big Mac, have a Big Mac and enjoy it. And be like, yeah, I had a Big Mac and it was amazing. Yeah. But now breakfast, I'm going to have a really good smoothie and we're going to get right, right back onto where I was. Yeah. Right? There's a, a project that I'm, I'm just getting started now with a local guy who's going to be basically be doing a Zen uh, website where he kind of teaches people about ways to use Zen Buddhism and things. And one of the yeah. things he basically says is like... I drink beer and I swear and I do dumb things and I do all these things. The difference is, is that I'm aware of what I'm doing and exactly. I can, and all of those yeah. things are a choice. And when we're making those choices versus letting our mind or our body run things for us, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, it's, it's a, a big difference. Yeah. And that's so, easier said than done too, because when yeah. you look at, if you are in that system where you're just following marketing, your brain has now been hardwired for sugar. Yeah. Right, like it activates the same area in your brain as cocaine and heroin, yeah. and like it's a it's a full out addiction. Like mm-hmm. if you look at the chemistry of it, biochemically, yeah, you're addicted. 
So you have to remove yourself from that first before you before you can get to that level where it's like, okay, I made a choice to have a Big Mac. A lot of people don't realize that they don't have a choice. Right. If they don't feed that, they're going to have a headache. They're going to be shaky. They're going to be irritable. Their energy level is going to crash. They're not going to be able to function and focus on anything yeah. until they get more sugar into their body. Well, I was a long-term soda drinker for years and, and, and Coca-Cola. And basically, if I stopped... I would have two to three days of headache and shakes nausea and, and shakes. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I was like, okay, well, I'll just keep doing it because then my body will feel like a three, but I won't know. I feel like a three. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. So. Exactly. But it's, it's this consciousness. It's, it comes down to conscious choices, right? If we're working with somebody and they're drinking that much pop every single day or they're eating, you know, cereal for breakfast and then they're having pasta for dinner and then they're having, you know potatoes and maybe chicken for for supper then we're going okay you're probably not going to like me for six days and if you're on board i'm on board and i'm totally fine with you calling me every single name in the book because it will get better and you can swear at me and you can do whatever you would like for the next six days because on day seven those chills and those shakes and that actual rehab is going to have come through and you're going to actually be able to re regrow and kind of create your own cycle um but it's it's not fun yeah yeah and we know it's not fun which is why we're completely upfront about it and we're going okay you have a choice right now it's not my choice all my job is in this instance is to basically put all your choices in front of you and help you with whichever one that you choose and make it easier but guaranteed it'll be worth it yeah. 100%. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, so we're going to sort of wrap up uh, this part of it. This has been fantastic. I mean, I I know a decent amount about naturopathy, but I know that not everybody does. And for some people, there's sort of a mystery or a stigma or, you know, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. so yeah. I think having yeah. the idea of what your clinic in particular is working towards helping people with is, is really helpful. And I wanted to quickly mention, you guys are going to be doing a nighttime uh, session from 6 to 8 p.m. on December 7th at Volta. Yeah. Um, working, basically providing some startup tech people and, and people who want to be there with some of the same kind of information on how they you can maximize their health. Optimizing and, everything, but yeah. also preventing burnout. Like anyone who's doing a startup knows you're in this for the long haul, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, for being on this today. And, uh, oh, thanks for coming yeah. down. Well, that's that's great. It. We love talking Fantastic. about this stuff. We do it all day. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks a lot, everyone.